You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, gals, welcome to The Devoted Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I love that we have such an amazing audience of gals that just want to be devoted to God's Word, all in, and are here for some of these a little bit more hard-hitting, and you guys know I'm not real into the fluff chats about what the Bible says to us gals. So this one will probably be no different. I hope not, at least, because I think we always need to be looking at what Scripture says and just seeing how do we line up with that? Am I? Am I not? I think there should always be something that we're asking ourselves from God's Word on where we are at with that. And I say that because I always hope that these podcasts never make it sound like, well, AIM clearly has it dialed. No, AIM does not. And I love that I get to study the Word and I get to prep these episodes because the Lord just always has so much here for me personally, that by the time I get behind the mic or if it's there in the sanctuary, that I just get to be able to share the things that the Lord has just shown me in his word that I just get so excited about because the word just has so much for us. But I was sort of thinking about, I was on, you know, the social media little quizzes, the little things where it'll be like, what kind of Disney character are you? Or what animal would you be? And, you know, we always fall for these things. And you download probably some terrible spam bot or something on your phone. And and it does the little thing. And then you figure out, you know, that you're Pumbaa or you're Cinderella or whatever. And what we're attracted to these things. We kind of like this thing like, huh, well, I wonder what kind of Disney character I would be. Or, you know, what animal would I be? And we kind of get suckered into these things sometimes. Because we have this thing in us that we just like to identify ourselves somewhere, you know? Now we know that God's word clearly identifies who we are, that we are created in the image of God, that we are bearers of that image, which is a pretty amazing concept if you think about that, that we have the image of God, that we are bearers of that image. And that's really amazing. So we know that. We know that that's what the word says. But sometimes we also kind of put ourselves in different camps and we identify ourselves in things, whether it's a little social media quiz or whatever, or another way to maybe identify a person or kind of see where they're at and what are they like and interests and things like that. Again, social media can be very telling because you could have somebody's posts or their story at the top and they kind of post the highlights for the most part, you know, what they want you to see of themselves. That's what we typically post up there. Or maybe something that we think presents positively about us, right? I will say I think there's been a trend in the last several years that I think has been kind of a cool one of just sometimes posting the really mundane or the things that are just super normal. Because life, real life is not what your Instagram reel looks like. It's not what your Facebook posts look like, or it looks a little different if we're real honest, right? So I I love that trend that we've seen a little bit more of that. But as stories has become more popular and you have Instagram where at the top you can kind of flip through people's stories and you might see a post someone will post of their dog and then they might post something that they had for lunch. And, you know, then they might post a scripture that they read that morning and then seemingly everything's fine. And then you might get to a post where they're posting like something awful, some song or some YouTube clip that is you know, you click on it because you thought, well, the dog video looked pretty innocent. But then when you get to what that YouTube video was, you're kind of shocked and appalled. What did we learn about that, Christian, right there? 
So I guess what I'm asking you and me is where have we lost the type of Christian we are? The Bible defines what a Christian is. You know, back in Acts, that was when we first saw the title for Christian, and that word meant little Christ. It was intended to be a insult to the early Christians, but they kind of took it on as a compliment. They were like, cool, yeah, we want to be known as little Christ, an imitator of Christ. That's what we want to be. We want to be more like Jesus. That's kind of how it stuck. So the Bible would define someone that is a Christian as somebody who looks like Jesus, that they are following the things that you say. Now, think about that for a moment. If you are talking to somebody that you want to emulate, well, you're going to listen to what they say. You're going to want to say it the way they say it. You're going to want to spend a whole lot of time with them because you're going to want to be like them. And that's the idea of a biblical Christian. But as I observe what has become more of the Instagram reel, or I'm going to go ahead and say like the big C church, Christian looks a little different. And I'm starting to see that there are these areas where there is a definite cultural Christian, and then there is a biblical Christian. So I want to explore this a little bit with you guys. And before we get into too much of the definitions of what I'm going to deem as cultural Christian and and what we're going to talk about as be other things that the Bible says about us as being Christians, I want us to look at a couple places in Scripture that I've just been kind of just sitting in and I want to share this with you guys. So we're going to read a big, well, I don't know, it's like eight verses. Is that too long for a podcast to read eight verses? But we're going to break it down. I want to read Ephesians 2, chapter 2. So Ephesians chapter 2, it says this in the first couple verses, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay, pause there. Kind of a dire three verses. Is that what that was? Three verses that talks about just, wow, okay, great. This is a real pick-me-up. You were dead in your trespasses and your sins. Okay, that's great. That we once walked, meaning, yep, you did this. This is real. This is not something that you did not participate in. So when we're talking about sin, when we're talking about trespasses, these Bible-sounding words for the things that just mean, quite literally, the word sin, it just means missing the mark. We like to think that when we've missed the mark, if there's a little oops here or there's just a little lie here, it's not really that big a deal, right? It's okay. Everybody messes up, right? Well, yes, Scripture says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that's absolute fact. But it also tells us in Romans that the wages of sin, of that same sin that we just talked about, is death. It is actually a giant deal. It's a huge deal. It's such a big deal. Our sin is such a big deal that God sent his son to die for it. And I know as Christians, we say these things all the time. And so sometimes we can, I think they can lose their power on us that Christ actually needed to suffer a really painful, horrible, horrible death for my sin, for your sin. The thing that you sometimes think is not a big deal, Christ had to die for it. Like it's a giant deal. But we kind of don't like to think about that part. We don't want to talk about that part too much. But Ephesians chapter 2 wants to talk about that. So those first couple verses, just right out of the gate, talking about we're dead in our trespasses and our sins. And then he says, following the course of this world, following the prince, the power of the air, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Okay, so now this is telling us 
some things about the enemy, right? We know that the enemy, Satan, is the one that is the prince of this age, the ruler that is like a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. But this phrase here, following the course of this world, that's us too, okay? Just like we talked about that, yes, we are the ones that have sin and transgression following the course of this world. And the, that phrase, when you look it up in commentaries, it is referring to this evil age that we're in. Now, I don't have to convince you guys that we're living in an evil and dark age. It feels darker and darker by the day, doesn't it? And I feel like, especially in these last three years or so, it feels like it's grown exponentially darker and more evil. It's not real tough to pick it out, right? It kind of feels like it's everywhere. But our sin, our trespasses, those are all things that are part of this evil, dark age that following the prince of the power of the air, that that's where all of that goes. Another thing it highlights there, he says, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Who are the sons of disobedience? I feel like we could probably just talk about just that right there. Because at the end of the day, there's obedience and there's disobedience to God's word. You're either going to do it or you're not. And I'll probably refer to this a couple times, but I'm just going to throw it here right in the middle. Sometimes I think we think that we just don't want to get too crazy with all of this stuff. Okay. Really? You know, just like I said before, is my sin, is it really, really that bad? Okay. Don't freak out. We don't want it, want it to just get too crazy on this. Same thing with like the sons of disobedience thing. When people are saying if you're doing something that is against what the Bible says, we kind of look at them and go, really? I did that whole episode on Taylor Swift, on whether we're complicit with the antihero. Because there's a little bit where some people would think, okay, Aim, do you really need to get that crazy about it? But can we look at the lyrics? Can we look at the things that we're listening to? And maybe don't pull out just Taylor Swift, pull out whatever you're listening, reading to that the world is putting in front of you. Is it in line with the sons of disobedience or is it in line with obedience to God's word? Disobedience or obedience? I sometimes think I need it that simply. I don't think it's that nuanced sometimes. That's a popular word sometimes for people to say, well, it's just more nuanced than that. Actually, I don't think it's really that nuanced a lot of times. I think it's either black or white. I think it's either are you going to obey God's word or are you going to be part of the sons of disobedience? Okay. I don't think it needs to be that complicated. So these first couple of verses in Ephesians, you know, they're kind of bringing the heat, right? And then he goes on even later in the end of verse three, and he says, by nature, you're children of wrath. Okay. So now, great. We've been told we're, we were sinners, transgressors, walking in the course of this world, this evil age, sons of disobedience, and now children of wrath. Okay, that's pretty much going to be the opposite of every worldly pep talk empowerment thing that women were going to be thrown at. You know, women's ministry, I feel like this is one in particular that the world seems to think that we as women want to just hear that we're pretty and we're smart and we're a hero and a shero all in one. I suppose there are some that want to hear that. I do not want to hear that. I don't want to hear that I'm special and empowered and can do anything because I'm a woman. That is absolutely ridiculous. And it's not what the Bible said. Go back to what I was talking about earlier. We already know what scripture, how we find our identity and the fact that we are image bearers of God. That's profound and it's huge. But it's not because I am woman, hear me roar. 
Okay, it's just not. And it's funny, I feel like if you hear exasperation in my voice, it's because it feels tired. Like, as soon as I think that we will stop falling for this thing as women, that, you know, just because we're a woman, we can do anything and we don't need men and all of this stuff. It's so what the world wants you to say. It's what the prince power of this age wants you to say. The course of this age, the sons of disobedience, they want you to believe all that stuff. And it is just all a bunch of nonsense. And it's not what the Bible says. Not going to go into all that. Go back, check out the beautiful design series, and we'll just break down what the Bible says about who we are designed to be. But I do get feel like we gals get kind of sucked into this, the disobedience piece a little bit, and that we don't really want to think about this part that we're children of wrath. That's not affirming or empowering. And so we just don't want to talk about it. So as I was reading Ephesians 2, because this is such a cool passage, but those first three verses, you might be tempted to read those and go, okay, well, that was fun. Can we just skip on? Because verse 4 is what everybody wants to get to. So verse four says this, it says, but God. Okay, two words and you're already excited because the entire trajectory of this passage changes. We just read that whole passage about our sin, gross, all of this stuff, we're children of wrath, awesome, but God. And then just listen to the rest of this passage. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming age, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Okay, we'll pause there before we get to a really cool verse in verse eight. But this is the good stuff, right? This is great stuff. Verse eight says, for by grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one can boast. So verse eight is such great news because it says, yeah, while you're still sinners, Christ died. Christ loved you, saved us. And then it says by grace, not because you got your act together, not because, you know, you cleaned up your act so well. That is what saved you. Nope. It says by grace, you have been saved through faith. It is such a powerful verse. I love it. So here's my question, though. Do you really love to talk about Ephesians 2, 4 through 8, the but God section? And maybe if we could just skim past that verses 1 through 3, where it talked about us being sinners and all that kind of stuff, would you skip that? Because here's what I'm observing in just a bigger context, is that there's sort of this type of Christian that just wants to get to the but God section. You know, we want to talk about the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus. And those are amazing things. And they are absolutely true of who God is. But we don't want to talk about so much the fact that we're children of wrath, that we're transgressors. We don't want to talk about hell. We don't want to talk about all of those things. Because our world, all within the trappings of the course of this age and the uh, sons of disobedience, None of those things are, you know, the empowering women pep talk that the world seems to think that you want to hear. But it's not true. It's not true. What the world wants to tell you is just a big fat lie that you don't need to recognize your sin. You don't need repentance. No, you don't need that stuff. Just skip to the happy ending. Just skip to the good stuff. But the reason Ephesians 2, I love that just in these eight verses, it's such a great picture of really kind of what we're all about here on the Devoted Podcast, right? To be fully devoted to God's word. We want to just be absolutely as all in with verses one through three as we are verses four through eight. We want to recognize that I am a miserable sinner. 
Yes, I am a miserable sinner, but God. Because understanding and knowing the God that is love and his mercy and all of those things, he doesn't, he's not just, that's not just part of him, like a piece of a pie. He is all of that. But he is also all the time a God of wrath and justice. And so our sin and the repentance, the things that the world just kind of like, yeah, you're, you're good. And let's not talk about that stuff too much. They just want to skip past that part and maybe talk about the other stuff. Okay. The good stuff. But I challenge us as women to be in for all of Ephesians and not just the but God part. So why did I get to this passage? I, you know, I started off talking about what kind of Christian are we? And I think that there is a kind in there of being the type of Christian that maybe only wants to look at the love and the grace part and doesn't want to acknowledge the other. I think there is that, and that's, that's becoming a huge thing. But even talking about how we act in our life, what kind of decisions that we make, is that part completely given over to obedience? Or are there pieces that we are kind of like, we're just going to keep this in a camp. We're going to be the type of Christian that we're going to go to church on Sunday. That's cool. But during the week, let's not really bother with all of this sin and acting righteously and holiness and sanctification. Yeah, let's not really let that get into my work week. Or maybe it's the kind of Christian where you are all worship music when the kids are in car and, you know, everything is just awesome. But then at home, you're kind of binge watching a Netflix show that you're like, I probably shouldn't be watching this or reading something you shouldn't be reading. There's that kind. Letting Jesus take a little bit, like we'll look at that part and we're okay with him, letting him rule and reign in that piece of our life. But let's not, you know, get too crazy with this and so that it's all in. I'm going to take you to one other section of scripture, end of the Bible, Revelation, again, chapter two, where John is given the revelation and he's speaking to the churches. And in this chapter two, he's actually talking to the Ephesians, which we were just reading Ephesians chapter two. So this is years later. And there's an interesting word that the Lord has for this same church that was given this message that we just read from Ephesians two. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. There's some cool stuff in there, but it's Ephesians chapter two. And he talks about first commending the church in Ephesus. And he tells them that he, in verse two, that he knows their works and their patience and that they do not bear with those that are evil, but that they test those, uh, they test false teaching and false prophets and things like that. And, And he's like, this is good stuff. This is good. And then at the end, he also gives them a commendation. And it's kind of an interesting one. He says in verse six of chapter two, yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So this is just this one little verse where he's putting the Ephesians, he's giving them a word of saying, you hate something that I hate. So first of all, if you're a mom and you got a three-year-old in the car, you're like, oh, could you not say that word? I was definitely that mom. I was like, okay, we don't say hate. We're not going to do that. So, but here's the thing. There's some things that God hates. Proverbs chapter two gives us a whole list of things that the Lord hates and he uses that word. And that's the thing where sometimes I think we do need to get that through our head that when the Lord is harsh on something, we should be harsh on something. When the Lord is telling us to show grace and mercy to something, then we also want to have that tone. But there's actually a lot of things that scripture deals really harshly with. You know, think about in the gospels when Jesus is giving the picture that if your eye sins, you know, cut it out. If your hand commits a transgression, cut it off. Okay, he's not literally saying, poke your eye out and, you know, cut your hand off. 
But he is pointing to the fact that, yeah, deal really drastically when it comes to your sin. So here in chapter two, verse six of Revelation, when he tells them that this is a good thing, that you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, he does use the word hate. And so when God hates something, we also need to hate that thing. First John 2, 15 through 17 reminds us this about that. It says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is of this world. Meaning, don't be into the stuff of the world, right? Do not love the world. So here you got in Revelation where he's saying, you hate the Nicolaitans, and this is a good thing. So I keep saying that word, and you're like, I have no idea what that word means. Well, this is an interesting group of people. It was actually a sect of maybe the early church, whole lot of scholarly debate, I read a couple different commentaries on who people think the Nicolaitans were. And it's sort of, they almost seem to contradict each other. Some commentaries will say it was a group of Christians that were all about having like no spiritual liberty at all, like being really, really strict with their Christianity. But then others would say they were much more into a very licentious lifestyle, meaning they just kind of were into free love, pagan feasts, you know, everything's fine a way more worldly, lackadaisical, let's just, you know, whatever, lifestyle. That was the Nicolaitans. So I'm not sure, you know, I don't know that we could be sure which camp that was, but here's what I think we can get from that. And here's the analysis, the conclusion really that commentators come to is the fact that the Nicolaitans were a group that distorted what God's word said. They distorted biblical truth. So regardless of which direction they went, they were distorting what is true. And the word, the commendation to the Ephesians is that they were hating the works of the Nicolaitans as God does. So God's not into people that distort the truth. Now, this is a whole topic in and of itself. Our world has a real tough time defining truth. And it's because they just don't want to know, they don't want to admit, they don't want to recognize and acknowledge that God himself is truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man enter the Father but by me. That's really, really clear. world doesn't like that. They like that they think there's just going to be lots of options and all of that. Well, that would be a distortion of the truth. That verse in 1 John we just read that we are not to love the things of the world. All of that I think we can see in that same thing of if the world is purporting something that is distorting what God's word says, we need to hate that thing. We need to deal, we need to think in our minds and deal harshly with that thing and be separated from that. And this is where it gets really tricky today. I know this is a really strong word because we have to really ask ourselves, do we hate what Jesus hates? Or do we think that that's just not loving or we can't do that because that wouldn't be loving? And, And man, that's an issue right there. If that's what you're saying, you need to go back to what the source of truth is, go to God's word and see how the Bible defines love. Because the world's definition of love and the Bible's definition of love are different. First Corinthians 13, that's the love passage, you know, love is patient, love is kind, all that great stuff. But it also says in 13.6, when it's talking about love, it says love, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love does that. So when the world says it's really loving to celebrate and acknowledge and, you know, be supportive of all of the things just like of the homosexual lifestyle, well, that would be 
rejoicing, that would be celebrating, that would be affirming something that is not in truth. That's not love then. So that would be the world's definition of love, not God's definition of love. And not just that topic. I know people think that Christians just want to harp on homosexuality or the LGBTQ, all of those things. But there's because there are identity issues that people are finding identity within sin that is devoid of truth. That is not rejoicing with the truth. And so that's not loving. It cannot be. It's against the definition of love because it's rejoicing in wrongdoing. So it, it's the exact opposite of that thing. But you could put any sin in the, fill in the blank on that. Living with someone before you're married, guess what? That's sexual immorality. That's fornication. That's how the Bible defines it. And it's in that same camp that we see whether we're talking about a homosexual lifestyle, we're talking about any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage, that all is within that, that same wrongdoing, sexually immoral. And so we have to look at that and go, that is sin, that is wrong, and love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. So then, like we just said, if love rejoices in the truth, what is truth and who is defining your truth? If the world's going to define your truth, buckle up, it's probably going to change. What's true today will probably not be true tomorrow. And that's why I, I do wonder sometimes why people just get so dogmatic about the world's truth when it changes so often. You know, wouldn't that be really, really exhausting? God's word never changes. God never changes. And so we, that's why it seems just very simple for me, very simple-minded, I suppose, to just go to the word of God, which is never going to change and go, well, what is true? And the Bible says that Jesus is truth. Jesus is the only way. That we're not basically good. The Bible tells us that, but that we're gross sinners. Yeah, we are. That section of Ephesians one through three. We're sinners that were made male and female. That's a truth in scripture. That's true. That marriage by definition is between a man and a woman. All of those things. So those, when I'm talking about, well, what is true, that's the kind of truth we're talking about. We're talking about the things that God's word defines and says what is true. Love, real love, does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. But the Nicolaitans were a group of people that wanted to distort the truth. And God was not about that. He doesn't want us to be, have any part of that. I bet the Nicolaitans were a group of people that would have probably looked at somebody like me or you and said, you know, let's not take this Christianity thing too seriously. Okay. Yeah, you're saved. All that. Great. Jesus died for your, your sins. Okay. All these Christian statements. But let's not, let's not go, go too crazy here. I think the Nicolaitans might have said that because it's a distortion of what the truth is. But sometimes I actually think the question shouldn't be, are we too crazy with all of this or are we too obedient? <laughs> Not too. You can't be too obedient. Are you obedient or are you disobedient? I think that's what it comes down to. And obedience, yeah, it's not always easy, but it is absolutely critical when it comes to you being the type of Christian that the Bible defines, being somebody who is not into the things of the world, but is, is wanting to walk in truth. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love Jesus, you're going to keep his word. Sometimes God's word says things to us that we don't always want to do. It might ask you to cut something out of your lifestyle that you don't want to cut out. But then that's sort of where, you know, scripture, it just doesn't mess around with it really, right? 
a lot of times, uh, especially I feel like uh, progressive Christians, the word nuance is a favorite word of like, it's just so nuanced. And I'm not saying that there isn't any nuance. That's don't misunderstand. There is some nuance, but I think there is a whole lot less nuance than there is just black and white. Some things are black and white. Some things are do this, don't do that. Some things are you're either acting in obedience or you're walking in disobedience. It's not really that nuanced a lot of times. John 14, 15 that I just read, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I don't see a lot of nuance there. First John 5, 3 says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. I don't see a lot of nuance there either. That's what love is, to keep his commandments. I love that. But Jesus asks us a great question in Luke. In Luke 6, 46, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Again, that's another one where I feel like there's not a lot of nuance there. So my question with us is, what kind of Christian am I? Whether it's what you're posting and putting out there to social media or what you're presenting to one group of people or maybe the side of you that you're showing your kids or the side you're showing your husband or that your friends, but then you're somebody else in other places. Who are you? Are you somebody that wants to do what God's word says and just be obedient to it? Or are you kind of being pushed around by culture a little bit? Are you somebody that looks at Ephesians 2 and equally accepts Ephesians 2 one through three, as you do the but God section and the rest of it. Because remember, that same group of people, the Ephesian church, is being commended for hating those that distort truth, the Nicolaitans, hating those who don't walk in obedience to God's word, hating those who are maybe even portraying a type of Christian Maybe they look Christian on the outside. Maybe they're doing certain things that look kind of Christian, but they're a little bit all over the map on where they really land on being truly obedient to God's word, to being truly obedient and being a Christian as the Bible defines what that would look like, a little Christ, an imitator of Jesus. I love this quote from Oswald Chambers. He said, are we prepared for what sanctification will cost? It will cost an intense narrowing of all our interests on earth and an immense broadening of our interest in God. Are we prepared for what it will cost? You know, this is when I go back to that little question of, am I wanting to get too crazy with this whole kind of thing? What kind of Christian am I? I'm working on a few episodes here in the coming weeks where I want us to sort of look at the larger definition, perhaps, of what a cultural Christian is. I think it's an important question for us to define what this looks like and maybe spend a little time in what maybe some different facets of that might be, because I'm hoping it will help us to to maybe identify things that maybe are in us, maybe are in our kids or coworkers and friends that can help bring us back to, you know, kind of like the picture of that rubber band that kind of needs to snap you back to what the truth is. And remember, we just talked about like where the truth is, it is in God's word. It is in his commandments. It is in doing what he says to us and for us. That's where we got to keep coming back. But the world's constantly trying to pull you. And when I say the world, you know, I don't know, in the past, I, I feel like growing up, I knew people who weren't Christians. 
And maybe there was, you know, I, I can think of kids in my school or whatever where they acted a certain way at school. And I would, you know, if somebody had said, hey, are they somebody who follows Jesus? I would have said, no way. But then you see them at church on Sunday and you go, oh, well, maybe they are. Now, I always think we need to be careful with that because you could be looking at somebody that has been saved for, you know, two days. And we read the verse in Ephesians that said, it's not by works that you've been saved. By grace, you have been saved through faith. So we're not judging others. This is not a question for us to to look out there and clean everybody else up. That's not what it's about. It's to look at us maybe how we are instructing our kids or how we're conducting, what are the words? What are the thoughts that are coming across your mind? Are they something that is identifying as what the Bible says a Christian looks like? Or are they identifying more with what a cultural Christian looks like? Because the cultural Christian thing is used to be just maybe somebody that we might just broadly call the world, but it has seeped in to the larger C church in astounding ways. And I think it has left us amazingly anemic as Christians. And the sad part about that is an anemic Christian is not going to be very effective in the world. And how we define effectiveness is by our, how are we doing at bringing other people and making disciples and speaking the gospel? How are we being effective in that? That is what we're supposed to be effective in. And if we as Christians are walking a little bit more like the Nicolaitans. If we're distorting things just a little bit, if we're a little more comfy with the sons of disobedience and being told that maybe we're just the great all-empowered woman, as opposed to the fact of what God's word says about us, well, then the line gets real fuzzy between, well, who are you then? What kind of Christian are you? Are you a Christian like the Bible says? Or have you given into more of a cultural Christian definition that has become extremely pervasive today in our culture, that we are weaker as communities and Christians overall by giving into a a more worldly definition of what Christian can look like, according to them, that does not adhere to the truth. It's the Nicolaitans thing. It's a distortion of the truth. And God says, I hate that. I hate it. It's a strong word. It's a deal harshly with this kind of thing. Like cut this out of your life. Don't be a part of that. But we're kind of busy of like, well, we don't really want to rock the boat. We don't want to really be up here too, you know, all on fire. So we're going to water it down a little bit. And man, that's just not where we want to be. So we're going to spend a couple episodes and I I don't know how long it'll be. I'm still kind of going through some of these, but thinking about the different maybe types of Christians that we see, as always, I'm just going to bring as much scripture as I can so that we can be really evaluating where we're at on these things. And if we are truly being obedient to what Jesus asks of me, John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. To keep his commandments, we need to know his commandments. So it's so important that we stay in the word. So there we go. Buckle up. We're going to do a couple of these episodes. Love to hear your thoughts on how you see cultural Christianity in maybe where you're at right now. Shoot me an email at the devoted podcast at athecreek.com. I would love to hear from you guys. Hey, if you get a chance this week, go back and read Ephesians 2. 
spend some time just meditating on that scripture. It's it's a really powerful passage. Look at Revelation chapter two as well and, and just kind of contrast those things. Maybe journal about that, pray through those. It's so important that we stay firmly rooted in scripture. I always put the scriptures in the podcast notes. So if you forget and you're out on a walk or you're driving your car and you can't write this stuff down, don't worry, it's all in there. So we'll catch you next week. Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of AV Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at avcreek.com.